Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. The Visibility Factor podcast is brought to you in part by the 90-Day Visibility Breakthrough Accelerator Program. Do you believe deep down inside that you can have a bigger career, but you don't know how to get there? You can keep doing what you're doing, but what if there is a better way that could accelerate your progress? This 90-day program is a powerful experience that is unique to you and provides dedicated time to focus on your specific challenge. It gives you the time to develop big ideas and plans to execute them, including the tools, resources, and motivation needed for success. Hundreds of clients have used this same program to take them to the next level in their career and to create a better life. Join me in a 90-day experience that focuses on challenges like creating a strategic plan, how to lead an organizational change, or prepare for a career transition. This dedicated time will help you see new possibilities, recognize your strengths, and take away key insights that can be leveraged immediately. Are you ready to create a breakthrough for yourself? If you're interested in learning more, visit susanmbarber.com forward slash visibility breakthrough accelerator for more information and to sign up for the program. I look forward to seeing you there. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. This is Sue Barber, your host. I am thrilled today to have one of my former managers and good friend, Mary Beckfield, here with us today. She has been such an inspiration to me over my career, and I know that she is going to share some super great nuggets for all of you to capture. So get your notebooks out if you don't have them ready. (laughs) Take them out and get ready because I know she's going to share some great things today. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you, Sue. Happy to be here. Very excited for the topic too. Me too. Well, I would love for you to do a brief introduction of yourself first and your background, and then we can get into some great questions that we prepared. Certainly. Hi, everyone. My name is Mary Beckfield. I have been working in technology for over 20 years. And in parallel to my day job in technology, I've had a side gig as an instructor or professor for just about as long. So I'm very passionate about teaching and learning and technology. Uh, so that's who I am, and I'm happy to be here today. So Mary and I worked together at Craft for many years, as you probably guessed. She really, I don't know, was a great example for me of how to go to bat for someone how to really support someone and to give them the opportunities to shine. So everybody knows that that's part of my my focus, right, is how to help people have visibility. And so we were talking about having her come on the show. And one of the ways that we were talking about it was how do we include storytelling into how to be visible, how to be a leader. And so as we talked about it more and more, it just sounded like a really great topic because she has been doing some work in this space. So... Uh, we're going to jump into some questions on this, and I really hope everybody can learn from this because this storytelling is so important. People remember stories, they have an emotional connection, and it's a great way to teach people uh, something that you want to teach them about. So I would love to just, let's start off with a definition, Mary. What do you think storytelling means to you? I actually have 
in my research actually have researched the definition of storytelling. Whenever I get a new topic, I always start by going to the dictionary and seeing what it says. And when I when I did that, I actually didn't like a lot of the definitions I found because they said they used the word story in the definition. And I think that's just not fair, right? So I actually found a definition that I really liked from the Asian Development Bank. So it seems like a different sort of source for the definition, but they speak to what it actually is. Um, And I'm just going to read it here too. It's storytelling is a vivid description of ideas, beliefs, personal experiences, and life lessons through narratives that evoke powerful emotions and insights. That definition spoke to me because that is the essence of what storytelling is. So I think that's a great grounding in when we use storytelling, what is it? It's part of the human experience. If you think about it, every culture has stories. It's how each generation passes on wisdom and knowledge and insights to the next. We have all grown up with stories since we were little kids, right? So it's not something new to any of us. I think what's new is most of us don't deliberately think about applying it on the job, if you will, or in the business world, right? Those two things just don't seem to naturally go together, but they do. I mean, I wonder if that's because people just don't take the time to think about the stories that they've had in their careers and and how sharing that can help someone else. I remember having one-on-ones with my team and they would have some situation happen, right? That wasn't maybe great. And I would always use a story of my own experience to help them see, like, everybody's been through this. Everybody struggled with this, whatever the situation was. And it's something that you can move past. And I think they sometimes just need to know that, right? That they're not alone. And it feels like you're alone. It feels like you're the only one who's ever experienced whatever that thing is, right? It's horrible. The world's falling apart, right? But it it's really not as bad once you recognize that other people have been through it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that commonality. What do you think we could do to help people start to think about storytelling and put more of that into the professional work world? For me, one of the things that I think is important for each of us to think about is we think about our careers and you look at leaders and you see really effective leaders. One thing that you'll start to notice if you pay attention is the majority of really effective leaders are great storytellers. So if you think about people who pop into your mind, let's say Abraham Lincoln or General Colin Powell or Martin Luther King Jr., they all are natural gifted storytellers and they bring people along and they inspire people you know, that commonality. So if you think about Martin Luther King's, you know, famous, I have a dream speech, it starts off with, I have a dream. We all have dreams and we all have hopes. So immediately, just with that phrase, he pulls us all in. So I think one thing that for me helps me remember how important storytelling is, is to be cognizant and deliberate about it and just be thinking about it and watching for it. And then, you know, emulating or learning how to how to leverage those skills, because those skills can really help you be seen. They can help you be heard. They can help you be memorable to others and help inspire others. And I can see so many opportunities to leverage storytelling 
you know, in speaking or in leading workshops or in, you know, just leading a team that helps people start to learn Mm -hmm. from you. Where have you seen those storytelling opportunities work well? You know, they can work well in almost any situation. You've already mentioned when you're leading a team. So one way we use stories, all of us, is to educate others, right? So your example is you're educating others in the fact that, hey, this is something common. You're not alone. It's not the first time anyone's experienced this. It's okay, it will, you'll come out the other end, right? <laughs> a month from now, you won't even be remembering this, this moment. So one thing is, it's very helpful to tell stories when educating others. It helps people remember. Another situation where you can use storytelling is if you're trying to share an idea or rally people around an idea and get people on board. So I'll just give you an example of, Most of us are, I guess, trained that when we go, quote, present an idea to others, we maybe we use a PowerPoint, we stick for bullets, we have facts and figures. So I'm going to just do a little scenario for you of what that can look like versus what it can look like as a story. So you and I have both worked with in master data in the past, which is really hard to justify budget for, right? But let's imagine this scenario. You know, hey, everyone, I'm here before you today because we've done an analysis of our master data quality, and it's really low, and it's going to impact our business. You know, our analysis showed that we're only 65% accurate in our master data, so I'm here to request a budget increase of 15%, which I really think will help improve our customer satisfaction. Okay, that's what we're used to doing. But imagine if you walk into that meeting and you just pop up a visual, a picture of a guy, and you say, hey, everyone, this is Ike. Ike is one of our customers who's responsible for about $450,000 in revenue each year with us. His business is a medium-sized business located in Hawaii. And last week, we got a call from him, and he said, help, I desperately need your help. Please, please, please quit sending us toilet paper. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck is wrong, Mike? He's like, I'm getting so many shipments of toilet paper, I don't know where to put it all. You know, you need to stop sending me toilet paper. So our team dug into it and found that due to a master data issue, instead of sending Ike one shipment of 10 cases that he requested, we sent him 10 pallets with 48 cases on each pallet. So imagine, we've caused customer distress, we've cost ourselves a lot of money in either toilet paper we're giving away or shipping back from Hawaii, whichever, right? So I'm here to tell you this is not an isolated incident, and in order to improve our customer service, decrease our supply chain cost, I really need to request a budget increase to address this issue, right? So which is going to be more memorable Mm -hmm. when you walk out of that meeting? Mm -hmm. You know, the first one, people might not even hear you. They may not even tune in, right? They're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. There's Mary again. (laughs) She's back. I got to figure out what I want for lunch. Let me think about that. But the other one, people are immediately going to be like, oh, my God, what have we done? (laughs) So... That's kind of the power that storytelling can have to influence. So it's educate, influence, and then 
you know, when we look at the great leaders, also to inspire mm-hmm. people to to follow. I love that because I remember we had some of those, you know, not toilet paper, but some definite examples of situations like that where, mm-hmm. and for everybody who doesn't know master data, like master data is, as Mary alluded to, very complicated. It's, you know, all about your products and your customers and your locations and, and having all of that data correct allows your orders to go out properly and get shipped properly and if you don't have the right information in those records, it can cause a lot of issues down the line. And, you know, Mary and I got deeply into that (laughs) and and learned a lot about the importance of all of that. So I think your example is spot on and it's a great way to start to influence for money, you know, especially if you need funding or if you need resources or if you need something else on your projects that you're working on, it's a great way to tell a story or to think about a, a customer example that you can use as a story. So what do you think makes a good story, Mary? There are a few things. One, um, it needs to be authentic, right? It, it needs to be a real story. And the toilet paper story was real, by the way. Um, it, it's hard to make some of this stuff. <laughs> um, so it needs to be authentic so people can relate to it. It needs to be real. You need to state what the problem is. So, right, like here's the person, here's the problem, here's how it's impacting our product or service or impacting what you're trying to do, whatever it may be. And then you need to paint the possibilities, right? You don't want to just leave people with, well, here's a story, here's a problem. Bye. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, that probably won't be good. What, what are the, <laughs> yeah, what is possible? What can can you do about it? There is a really great TED Talk out there, and I'm going to actually back up a little bit. Um, it's a great example of storytelling, not just telling the story of what happened, but how a person can use it and what makes a story great. It's a great case study for that. And I had the opportunity to see a gentleman called Jack Levis in 2018. I was at a conference and each morning at the conference, they had a different morning keynote. And the day before it was some super high energy guy in sneakers and athletic wear from Under Armour, right? That's all I remember about that (laughs) keynote. But the next day I saw on the agenda, oh, it's this guy named Jack Levis and he's going to be talking about how... UPS used mathematical advanced mathematical algorithms to improve their route planning. And I thought, well, I don't know. That doesn't sound too exciting, but maybe I'll go. I had nothing better to do. So I went in, I sat down, and this guy comes out on stage. He's in kind of a tweed gray jacket, pretty serious looking, you know, professional outfit, a little bit of gray in his hair, wasn't smiling. And I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know if I've had enough caffeine yet for this. Because <laughs> it sounds like I'm talking heavy math and I don't know. I was so wrong. This guy is a master storyteller. He not only told the story about the super spiffy algorithm, but the real point was about the journey and this is, you know, part of the storytelling. What's the journey of having his idea and that journey from him and his team having this idea to making it reality and all the resistance that came up. And he doesn't say he used storytelling, but 
how he, you can observe it in his talk, how he did have to use storytelling to get other people inspired, including his boss. His boss didn't necessarily believe in his idea initially. So if people have a chance, check it out. But he does a great job of exemplifying what makes a great story. You know, he talks about the people, the drivers, and the the myriad of possibilities of how they could plan their route every day and how difficult that is. You know, if you just think about us running errands, it's hard enough to think about five or six errands in the most efficient way and how do you get there before the bank closes. You know, they have an infinite, almost an infinite number of ways to plan it. So he talks about the people, he talks about the problem they're trying to solve. He talks about that product and service and the impact that it can have both on the business and the customers and then the possibility. So those are kind of the elements that we want to put in a great story and then wrap into it that human element uh, that brings in that relatability and that emotion and just making sure it's very authentic and from the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Because without those, you know, no one's going to buy into it and really connect with the story and that you're telling it, send me the link and I'll include it in the show notes for people to check that out. I I think the other thing that I was thinking about when you were talking is, is it also helps a leader to become more visible, right? It talks, you talked about influence, right? And authenticity, and it helps them learn how to build their own influence, build their brand, become a leader that people really want to follow and can I don't know, some people would say, you know, they might have more charisma, right? A lot of people would say good storytellers have some charisma. So how do you think about this in terms of like leadership or personal brand? I'm going to separate the two, if that's okay. I I do look at great leaders and I will tell you at times, I sometimes feel like I'm not heard in a room. I think many of us sometimes feel like we're not heard in a room. And even though I deliberately employ storytelling at school. I try to remember to do it on the job, but I'm so well-versed in just the facts, ma'am, that I often forget to tell a story. And it's not uncommon for me to be like, gosh, I presented that to them two months ago. And now it's like, it's something new. And I don't think anyone heard me. You know, that was like a waste of half hour of my life to present that to people. And so I really think it's important for people who want to be effective leaders and to inspire others to get well-versed in storytelling. Because I can tell you, when I tell a story and it's a good story, people remember it. When I hear a good story, like Jack Levis's TED Talk, I remember it eight years later. I know what he talked about. I don't remember what the person the day before talked about. And that's not a slam on them, but it wasn't a story right? The stories resonate and we remember them. So for leadership to be as effective as it can be, I believe storytelling really needs to be a strong skill. And if I think of the leaders that I've wanted to follow or that have inspired me most, they're really great storytellers. Like I learn from them. I remember what they say. That's, I think it can aid in getting people to follow an idea But it can also help you be remembered and your message be remembered and your voice be heard if you tell a story. If you don't tell the story, if you're just the facts, you know, the the dragnet version, if you will, for those (laughs) of us old enough to remember, it's not necessarily something that engages the audience. It's not necessarily something that they remember. And then you're not necessarily heard, which is a part of visibility, right? 
like being heard, being remembered and being memorable. So, um, so I know I started with the, the leadership part, (laughs) um, and then the second part was the personal brand, personal brand. Thank you. I got so carried away. (laughs) You should probably talk about the personal branding, but um, (laughs) you're, you're very skilled in this, but a lot of us women in particular, but I know a number of men who suffer from this too. We're taught not to brag. So branding ourselves, telling our story, telling people the story of our journey, telling people the value that we add, telling people our personality and our life experiences aren't something that is natural to us. But if you really want people to know who you are, remember who you are, and be able to most effectively leverage your value, you need to be able to tell that story of your journey and make sure they know what your personal brand is and who you are. Yeah, I think it's getting clear for yourself, right? I remember, and I talk about this a lot because it was not something I did initially, like, who do you want to be as a leader? What kind of leader do you want to be? Because you're going to be in situations where you have to challenge others and stand up for your team and stand up for yourself, right? And I didn't think about that early enough. <laughs> I, I've definitely talked to a lot of people that I coach now so that they can understand who they want to be and how they want to show up for others. And when I think about storytelling, it was something as I was writing the book that became very important. One piece of it was um, AJ, who's the book leader that everyone on the podcast, you know, probably knows very intimately now because I talk about her a lot. Uh, She said, she would always say to me, show, not tell. And so I would talk about things and I would tell what happened instead of using descriptive words and emotion and helping people see what actually happened, like they were in the room. And I think that is so impactful when you're telling a story. And the second part for me was just the vulnerability angle around it. It's not being ashamed to talk about your situations and things that you've been through, like I mentioned earlier, because one of the things that most people talk to me about after I speak or do a workshop is you were so vulnerable. You shared all of these stories, which a lot of people probably wouldn't share. And I said, I do that because I want you to know, like, I didn't have it figured out. I didn't know what I was doing. And it took me time to learn all this. And and you're everybody's on their own journey. And there's no right or wrong as to where you are. It's all about what you learn and when you're ready to hear it. And so I think there's a vulnerability piece to storytelling too, that having the charisma and the ability to tell a good story and, a tell, and start with a good hook, like you mentioned, I think is, is very important, but also to include those other kinds of details in the midst of it as well. Yep. And you raised a good point in, in a short story that I want to just add on to the point you're making is what happens if you don't tell the story? So... You know, as I was thinking about our talk today, I was like, oh, you know, look at these great leaders, think about this. And then I started to think about, well, in my personal experience as a leader, I learned what happens kind of the hard way when you don't tell the story. So it was a number of years ago and I was leading a team that was responsible for delivering a new application for our sales force in the U.S. for craft. And it was rolling out to, you know, 
thousands of people. We rolled out in the U.S. It went really smoothly. We rolled out in Canada. It went really smoothly. We got a nice letter of appreciation from the president of Canada to each of the people that worked on the team. The lead in Canada invited us to come back to Canada to a celebration, took us out to dinner. It was wonderful. Nothing from the U.S. side, which was the much larger business unit. And so I went to someone who was a senior leader in our organization, and she had been known to give me some words of wisdom (laughs) at various points and be very candid and honest. And I went to her and I said, yeah, I just don't understand. Like, nobody said thank you. There was nothing. It was just like nothing even happened. It was quiet. And she just looked at me and she's like, where were you? Why, you know, you arguably had one of the most successful projects that we've had this past year and no one knew about it. Why weren't you out there telling people about the success? Why weren't you out there planning a celebration? Where were you? And it was a very hard lesson, but it was one where it's like, yeah, you know, she was right. I didn't go out and tell the story, right? I didn't say, hey, here's what we accomplished. Here's what we overcame. Here's how it went. We want to celebrate. And yeah, it was hard for me to hear that feedback. But what was more impactful to me was I realized I failed my team. There were people who deserved that recognition, who deserved that celebration, And it never happened because I didn't tell the story. So that's something else to keep in mind. That is super impactful. And I hope everybody hears that. If you take nothing else away from today's conversation, please hear that. Because I can't tell you how many people I coach where I'll talk to them about what what have you done to share what you're doing? What have you done to share what your team is doing? And most of the time, I think people just assume it's just part of my job. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing my job, right? I don't have to talk. I shouldn't have to talk about it, right? I'm like, this is the reason I wrote the book, everyone. <laughs> please, <laughs> please, please, please talk about what you're doing because it's so important. And and I had a similar experience where I think it was a smaller project we had in Master Data where I didn't talk up enough. And you know, by the time we rolled out globally, I learned my lesson. (laughs) We had a big party and we got to do fun stuff. And and I think everybody felt appreciated. But there is this whole employee engagement side of this, right? That we have to, as leaders, keep our teams engaged, keep them motivated, especially in challenging times. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of things going on. And starting to tell those stories along the way and share the journey that you know, we're all going through together, right? But that other people can hear now helps them understand that it's not as easy as it looks. I think that's the other piece. People assume probably what you did was no big deal. Where you probably put hours and hours and hours of time and your team, right, did the same. And no one knows how big of an effort that really was for you to for you guys to do flawlessly, right? No issues. Okay, so what else do you think in terms of storytelling that is important for people to take away from our conversation today that they start thinking about and start incorporating? Is there something like three tips that you would say to start with? I would say the three things for those of you who see the importance of storytelling, who want to up your storytelling game, you know, first of all, be confident. Remember, we all know stories. We all know what a good story looks like. We've seen it. We see it every day. 
We've heard it. We have master storytellers in our families, right? And many of the people listening are telling stories to their children, right? The next generation. So first, be confident that you know how to tell a story. Uh, Second is be deliberate. Start looking for those opportunities. Like Sue said, you know, if you're leading a team, share your own story to help them relate and see and learn, you know, to educate. So look for those. I would say start small. Like if you're not comfortable standing up in front of a room of 50 people and telling a story tomorrow, start small, right? Practice with your teams, get good at it, solicit feedback from others. Like, hey, you know, somebody (laughs) you trust to give honest feedback, right? Like, well, what did you think of that? How did that go? I told the story. Did it come across okay? Do you think it was a wacky story? (laughs) Whatever. You know, get some feedback from, you know, even an outsider. You know, is this story effective? Is it going to have an impact that I think it's going to have? And I would say, you know, study master storytellers. There are a ton of examples out there and you can you know, search on the internet. You could just watch just about any TED Talk, right? (laughs) Um, The thing that I take away from watching TED Talk people is I am constantly amazed by how few visuals they use. They use them in an impactful way, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you just show one or two visuals, but then you are telling the story from your point of view, people are going to focus on you and they're going to hear you and they're going to see you. They're not going to be looking at the PowerPoint side and all the bullet points and thinking, well, you know, I wonder if they could have made that PowerPoint a little better. They're going to be looking at you, right? Or, you know, when Sue talks to me and she tells me a story, I'm looking at Sue. I'm not looking at her slide. But if she uses a slide or two or a picture or two impactfully, like many of the people on the TED Talks do, it's really impactful. So, I would say the last piece is, you know, to study some of the master storytellers and just aspire to that level. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not easy. I've taken some speaking classes from some great storytellers, and it's really interesting to hear how they start to think about putting together a story, you know, the the important piece of the hook, right? And, and sometimes it's... Um, starting out with a situation that the reader or the listener doesn't know what's going on, right? It's, you know, you're talking about the toilet paper. (laughs) They're probably thinking, why would that, all that toilet paper be getting delivered to Hawaii? That makes no sense. And I just, you know, they're, they're trying to figure it out. And that's what hooks people, right? It's, it brings people into this situation because we're naturally trying to solve problems in our head all of the time. And so it was really interesting because that's why I had to rewrite chapter one so many times because it was not telling the story in a way that people could feel what it felt like to be me in that room. So that's where I had to leverage some some rewrites many times to, <laughs> to get to a place where people could feel the emotion. You know, I've talked about where rewriting it actually made me almost tear up. And that was a sign that I'm on the right track, right? I'm bringing the right emotion in. I'm bringing the right story for people to feel like what it's like to be in that moment. And, and I think all of the examples you've shared are spot on, right? Where people can start to connect how they are in the moment with what they need to do next or what they're trying to influence or get decisions to move forward on. What advice would you have with someone who has a team and the team needs to learn this skill? Is there anything different you would share with a leader who's trying to teach these types of skills to their team members? I think I would start with, you know, leading by example, 
sharing your own stories, setting that expectation that stories, telling stories to make your point is okay. It's actually expected. Um, You can coach people one-on-one about it if people want to grow their storytelling skills. Um, If somebody tells a story and it's good and it's memorable, you know, point that out and say, hey, that was fantastic. You know, I'm going to remember that, you know, reinforce that. But yeah, I think just making sure that you're providing a safe environment for people to share their stories, reinforcing it when they share stories and they tell good stories and then letting them know, hey, it's expected. We want to hear your stories. We want to hear your voice. We want to see you. We don't necessarily just want to see a PowerPoint deck. (laughs) Nothing nothing worse than a 40-page PowerPoint deck coming up in front of you and you've got to sit there for an hour to watch. You know, you made me think of something else. I also think it's important to leverage your strengths as a storyteller. So if you are great at telling jokes or using humor, infuse humor, right? I think about Matthew Perry and his ability to deliver lines that were amazing. And someone else reading them would not have had the same delivery as he did. Um, But other things, you know, I talk about how to show up as somebody who has a lot to offer. You have a lot of value. And I think a lot of people don't see that about themselves. So maybe you've traveled, maybe you've lived other places, worked in other companies and other industries. There are things that everybody brings to their leadership and to their conversations that they can leverage in a bigger way if they just slow down long enough to think about that and find ways to incorporate those things or other strengths that you might have into your stories. And you raise a a good point there. As you were talking about people sharing more openly about themselves and even just sharing about things that they may not see as relevant to share on the job, if people on a team share that with their teammates, like, hey, I've lived over here or I've done X, Y, Z as a hobby, whatever it may be, the rest of the team may actually see how they can leverage that, right? So you or I may not see a strength that we have or something we bring to the party, but other people, if they know that, may be able to point out like, wait a minute, we could really use your strong attention to detail over here, (laughs) right? Because Mary has not got a strong attention to detail. Just another benefit of sharing, even if you yourself can't see why it might be relevant. Yeah. So I I guess the message is don't discount all of your experiences, the things that you've done, the things that you know, because all of those could be incorporated in a good way into a story to help sell your ideas, to show a stronger personal brand, to show your leadership. Um, I think we just tend to dismiss sometimes those things that we're good at because we're good at them. And we assume everybody else is already good at them. So why would we talk about them? instead of recognizing that they make us unique and they make us special and we can show those things on a bigger scale. Love this topic so, so much. So excited that we talked about doing this. Uh, Anything else you can think of in terms of storytelling and visibility? Anything else we didn't touch on that you want to add? I can't think of anything else right off the top of my head. I think we touched on the major points. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we're going to transition into what I call the Rise Up and Be Visible Quick Tips. So these are four questions that I ask every guest on the show. The first one is, how do you define visibility and why do you give it that definition? 
I think for me, visibility, and it's tied to storytelling, is being seen and being heard. You know, however that happens, right? Um, I was once in a meeting in Arlington, Texas with a coworker, um, and we walked out of the room, and my coworker looked at me, and he said, how did it feel to be invisible? I had no idea. Yep. Yeah, so... I was like, clearly not seen, clearly not heard. Okay, so can we dive into that for just a second? (laughs) So was that because you spoke up and no one acknowledged you speaking? Like, can you share a little bit more about what that means? Yeah, it was a long time ago. It was a room full of men, and I was the sole woman. And yeah, you know, I definitely spoke up. I said a few things, but nobody, like, engaged with what I said, right? And they didn't direct things at me. And in the moment, I didn't even really notice, right? I was still more junior in my career. I wasn't that attuned, but obviously this person who was a mentor for a long time started to help me see things that were going on that I hadn't even been aware of because it wasn't overt, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the awareness now of it. And then what do you do with that information now that you know it, right? Wow, so powerful. Okay, I didn't know that story. <laughs> I feel like I know all Mary's stories and she just told me a new one. Okay, so what are you doing to be visible? Oh, I'm on Sue's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I push myself to do things that I'm not comfortable with from a business perspective. You know, from a my teaching career, I have no choice but to be visible, right? But trying out new things to be visible, like being on a podcast, maybe posting more on LinkedIn, being more open with sharing my thoughts, um, learning to do video casts and webcasts, and just trying to find ways, especially now because I mostly work remote. It's much harder, and some of the people listening may be in this boat too, it's harder to be visible. You know, certainly you can have your camera on, but it is way different than being in the room. And so I'm trying to find ways to be visible, be engaged remotely. And yeah, so it's it's a challenge. Right? Yeah, it's one of those intentional things you have to focus on. And maybe that's where storytelling can, can help for sure. What is the best leadership or career advice that you've ever received? I would say there are two things. One was don't ever compare yourself to somebody else. I was fortunate enough that a couple of people that I really respected told me that early in my career. And they were very clear. Like, don't compare your promotions to somebody else. Don't compare your salary. Just, it can lead to no good. Because you're all, we're all on our own journey. But it's really hard, right? Because we're kind of naturally like, well, then if I'm not comparing to someone else, you know, who am I competing against? Well, yourself, right? You're trying to become the better version of you. So that was really great advice. And I sometimes, through my career, have had to remind myself, like, stop it. Um, I've had to remind others, right? <laughs> or, or coach them to that. Now it's pretty easy. Like, later in the career, it gets way easier. So that's some hope for the people that are early in their career. <laughs> Once you kind of let go of what other people think, life gets all a lot easier. And then the second piece of career advice is when you're trying to make hard decisions, it applies to all decisions, but when you're really stuck, fall back to do the right thing for the company, 
right? So there are times when it can be difficult and they're like, well, wait a minute, why am I here? Do the right thing for the company can really help you work through tough decisions. Mm-hmm. I live by those two. I didn't live by the first one for a really long time, but now I do. Uh, but the second one, I have always thought that that, I don't remember if that was you who taught me that or someone else, but I have always thought that is true as well in terms of decisions. It just takes you out of the mix, right? And is it the right thing to do for the company? Then we should do it, right? Even if, you know, we don't all agree, we can all get on board with it's the right thing to do. So I love that. Okay. How about a book that you've read recently that you would recommend? The book is It's How We Play the Game and it's written by Ed Stack. Ed Stack's father started a small sporting goods company in New York State Very early on in his life, probably shortly out of college, Ed Stack took over the company and it became Dick's Sporting Goods. And the book, so if you're a sports fan, it's great. If you're a business fan, it's great. If you're a fan of storytelling, it's great. It's very authentic. He's very transparent about mistakes they made. It gives you a glimpse into the retail world and how difficult it is in this day and age to be competing in the retail world, but it, it's the entire journey from when the company was founded, the struggles his dad had, this, you know, what he and others learned as they were trying to grow the company when they had no idea really what they were doing um, and how it became what it became. And it was fascinating. Every once in a while, I get these books and I'm like, oh, it's a business book. I should read it. I, and I always kind of have a hard time starting and then when I started this one, I'm like, I couldn't put it down. <laughs> well, that's good praise right there. <laughs> I love that because you're learning from someone else's lessons and mistakes and, and and the good things that have happened, right? The good decisions that they made as well. So thanks. I love that. If people want to reach out and connect with you, where is the best place for them to do that? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Okay. Well, I will make sure Mary's LinkedIn URL is there for you to connect with her directly. Tell her that uh, you heard her on the podcast and that you loved her discussion on storytelling. I think it's been amazing. I'm so glad that we talked about this idea. I think it's so impactful for people to start to recognize the power of storytelling and that they can start doing it today. They've got stories. They just don't think about them, Mm -hmm. right? So thank you for being here. I'm so, so appreciative of you as a friend, uh, former manager, mentor, all of the above. Um, Mary has helped me. I can't even tell you all how many ways Mary has helped me along the way. And I'm so, so grateful for having you in my life. Well, thank you. And likewise, pleasure being here. Glad we have been on this journey together for a number of years now. (laughs) We definitely have. We won't talk about how many. That's not important. That's unimportant, right? All right. Thanks everybody for joining today on the Visibility Factor Podcast and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor Podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor Podcast.